Welcome to Side Effects, Effect versus Affect. It's hard to know the difference. At McGowan Braybender, our goal is to provoke you to think differently about employee benefits, your employees, and the status quo. That's why it's Side Effects with an A. Join me, Kenzie McEvely, and my co-host, Dave Holman, for the second episode in our new series, Adulting and Insurance. Let's jump in. Hello, Dave. Um, welcome back to our Adulting and Insurance series. Um, we are also back. We're still in your office here. We're doing a little audio version for our episode. So thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. In this episode, we're going to talk about, we're going to create a checklist for the next group of young adults, the first time enrollees, 26 years and older. Yeah. So it is, uh, we live in a different world than we did back when I was, um, 26. Yeah. Back, well, <laughs> I was well on my, off my parents plan and enrolled at that point because right. it was just, things were handled differently, but, um, healthcare reform, um, allowed, uh, dependents to stay on their parents' plan until their 26th birthday. How, how old were you when you had to get kicked off? Oh, it was once we were out of, once we were either not a full-time college student. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So I was just in this position a few years ago, though. <laughs> Sadly, I'm pushing 29 now. Yeah. But I remember I was I was pretty overwhelmed trying to choose, you know, the right plan and how to find a doctor. And I didn't even really know what an HSA could do for me. And it actually blows my mind to see how many people my age that just don't have insurance or that just opt out. Yeah. Even though you're, you know quote unquote, supposed to have it now. That right. was one of the underlying reasons for having uh, healthcare reform passed is so everybody would be covered by insurance, but um, not not necessarily the case today. So. Right. And so there, there's a lot of stress involved with these choices that you have to make. And so would you be able to share some discoveries from our member journey research about, you know, the stressors that people are experiencing when they have these big choices. Yeah. So as we went through the, the research and the data, we found that essentially there were two types of people with the healthcare plan. Yep. There are high utilizers of healthcare and low utilizers of healthcare. And depending on if you're a high or a low utilizer, you have two different, very, two very different experiences that you go through. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you're, if you're a low utilizer, you're not engaged. It just means that there are different pressure points and things that causes a lot of stress. Right. So, and, and everything you do with your benefit program will either create what we call a, a delighter, mm -hmm. which is something that adds value, makes you happy. Uh, could even be a neutral feeling, something you got to do, you do it and you move on yep. or a stressor which is something that diminishes the value of the plan, causes you stress, anxiety, anger, sadness, all of those negative emotions. Mm -hmm. And when we look at what the key stressors were for everybody, mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not you're a high utilizer of low or low utilizer, was a carrier change. Yep. So you look at the 26-year-old who has to enroll for the first time, that's considered, quote, unquote, a, it would be assumed a carrier change mm -hmm. because it's a first-time enrollee. Correct. You're learning about it. The second thing that's out there is the first time you enroll in a a high deductible plan because there's another level of complexity you have to understand. Well, right. most plans today have at least one option 
that is a high deductible plan. So mm -hmm. now we have two whammies out of the gate. Yeah. And then um, there are other things like not understanding about how prescription drug costs fluctuate. Yeah. That was a third one. There's our third whammy. So it's like check, check, check. The first experience and exposure that a person, uh, a young employee, 26-year-old, has to your uh, organization's uh benefit program is a negative stressful one three stressful events in a row yeah so what we're here today is to help you get rid of that stress yep and make the right decisions so that if you get off on the right foot it's going to be smooth sailing as you go through your life absolutely so some of the things that we learned that employers can do to alleviate this stress was we talked about having a guide, a benefits 101 guide, or like a choose your own adventure guide. And we have uh, some software that helps people do that at MB, right? Yeah. So we're looking through and we're developing right now. It's actually in test mode where we're trying to help people make the right decisions based on their life, mm -hmm. based on where they're at from being a potential high utilizer or low utilizer. Are they married? Right. Um, all of those different factors. What is their um, risk tolerance? Do they want to roll the dice or is it more important for them to make sure that they have that first dollar coverage and they're safe for whatever life throws at them? Mm -hmm. um, and so we're really trying to help them navigate through that so that they can make independent decisions. Exactly. Because what we have found is that the, um, the parents are very influential and then making their benefit decisions. And while that can be helpful, the parents are giving them advice based on their their own, own personal, life, yeah. personal life situations. So what we know is the majority of younger people tend to be lower utilizers. Yep. The majority of older people tend to be higher utilizers because chronic conditions, you just, you know... You're, you're older, things break down and you need maintenance. <laughs> and so they're giving them advice based on their life situation instead they're of... They're probably going to recommend the more rich plan. Yeah, the rich mm -hmm. plan, make sure that your safety, they're more, they're, they're more risk averse. Yep. And so that's not always the right decision for um, the younger person. And so what we're going to do is we're working on giving them all the tools and giving them the questions to ask and go through so that they're enrolling in the right plan for them. Absolutely. So can you walk through just a very quick summary of a rich PPO versus a high deductible plan with an HSA? Yeah. So let's say that your organization offers two plans. They they offer what we call a traditional plan, which, um, you know, now there's a deductible associated with almost every, well, is associated with every plan, but it's a, it's, relatively it's a lower deductible plan okay and there are co-pays that are associated with it but it's considered a richer plan that sounds great but the <laughs> premiums are also significantly higher right so if you're a low utilizer of healthcare who maybe only goes to the doctor one time a year for your annual checkup yep you're paying an awful lot of money for that um that's out there but it is a richer plan now, a high deductible plan with an HSA or um, another type of spending account associated with it is a much higher deductible. So you mm -hmm. look at that and you may get initial sticker shock saying, oh, the first $3,000 out of pocket for a single, you know, 
six, seven thousand dollars if you're a family, that makes a lot of people feel real nervous. Oh, like, yeah. What happens if I'm in a car accident or I blow out my knee? Yeah. Um, things like that. Well, the things to take into consideration is that um, it is a lower premium, mm-hmm. significantly lower than a than a traditional plan that's out there, and you you have a spending account that you can fund. Many employers will even help you fund Matching. that money. Yeah, they'll give a certain amount up to up to um, a certain level. So what you're doing is you're banking that. If you're a low utilizer of healthcare, I'm still going to continue to feed that healthcare savings account. Mm-hmm. So when something happens, I then have the money in that account. If I leave my job and go somewhere else in an HSA account, that money goes with me. It's portable. And, and the best part about a health savings account. <laughs> and you can really start, if you start putting money into it when you're young and single, not using a lot of healthcare, by the time you get married, have kids... And with kids, they're going to spend the heck out of your, <laughs> your your account. You have that money then to cover your expenses that are out there. So mm-hmm. what you have to do is th- that's how they're structured, mm-hmm. and that's how the, the premium is set up. But what you need to do is ask yourself some questions mm-hmm. as to which plan is best for you. Am I a low utilizer of health care, mm-hmm. or do I go to the doctor more than a few times a year? Do I have a chronic condition. Yep. Do I take regular medications? Um, let's say you go to the dermatologist and mm-hmm. you may you're on some drug you're on some prescriptions that can be pretty pricey. I've seen some of those drugs. And oh, so yeah. it's like, okay, how much of my deductible am I gonna spend? How much of my out-of-pocket maximum am I gonna spend? Um, you wanna take into consideration, am I engaged? Right. Am I getting married? Which plan will I be under? Mm-hmm. Do I stay under my plan or um, go under uh, Your the spouse? other pl- yeah, yep. spouse plan? Uh, so there are a lot of questions and factors to consider. And what we are trying to do with the tool that we're building is help people stair step. It's almost like the choose your adventures. Like you said, if oh, this yeah. happens in this, then you're probably better off here or there in this plan. But I will tell you that in so many cases, the fear will drive people to the richer plan. Yep. And when you do the numbers, I would say that in, in almost all cases that I've run through and helped employees go through throughout the years, you're still better off almost even if you're a heavy utilizer being in that high deductible plan right. as long as you continue to fund the HSA account. Because Correct. I've also seen a lot of people, younger people, take the lower premiums mm-hmm. and not put a penny in their HSA account, and then they go out and tear their ACL. Yeah. Or they need an MRI or something else, and then suddenly they're hit with a bill that they can't, can't necessarily... Get they can't They can't pay for it. I'm pretty sure you helped me when, when I was getting on this coverage. We did a little choose-your-own-adventure in real life, and it helped me choose my, I went on the HGHP. So, Mm -hmm. okay. So let's say you picked your plan though. You're Uh either PPO or HGHP. And now it's time to find a primary care physician or a PCP. Okay. So what do you, do you ask your friend? Do you Uh, ask Facebook? Well, first of all, (laughs) I cannot stress enough. The most important thing that after you enroll in your health plan 
is to make sure that you have a primary care physician. Yep. Because uh, I cannot begin to tell you how many 26-year-olds I run across and they haven't been to the doctor in years. They had they hadn't gotten a new doctor since they got kicked out of their pediatrician's office. But it's that's like and it's a free decision you get to make. You get to research it, who you want and mm -hmm. exactly the it, person or age or whatever. Yeah, or they they were under their parents' plan, but their parents live in Cleveland or they live in another market yep. from where you're living now and so you have a doctor but you're not going to drive three and a half four hours to go to the doctor. No. And so you need to get a doctor. And so I'm going to say not just get a primary care physician. You need to get the right primary care physician. Because oh, yeah. if you get the right one, and when I say the right one, it's one that provides high the highest quality care that can be provided. Yep. Because we're going to find out that they're going to be a lower cost provider. Mm -hmm. The data's told us that. And they're going to be more invested in the outcomes and, and they're going to be compensated on managing your health and getting you back to wellness quicker when you do run into a problem. Um, and, and that's how they're compensated for their, their service. Mm -hmm. And so I don't recommend, um, and I see it all the time here, even here in the office still, mm -hmm. a new employee enrolls in the plan or they're saying my uh, son or daughter's looking for a, a primary, yeah, a primary doctor. Yeah, yeah, a doctor referral. And those aren't always the best referrals. Those mm -hmm. are the best referrals for that person in that circumstance mm -hmm. in their lives. Yep. I recommend going to the carrier. Their website. Their website. Yep. And looking up because each one, each carrier has a different setup and a different quality metric or measurement. It mm -hmm. could be a one star, two star. It could be a, a special designation that they have. But understand what that is and always go for the highest quality designation um, as your first decision point. Yep. Because it will make a difference to your long-term health. Okay. Secondly, find out it's no, it, it does you no good to find a doctor if they're not accepting in network. They're not. Yeah. If yeah. they're not in your network, if they're not accepting new patients, Oh yeah. if you have to wait eight, nine months to get an initial appointment, right. Uh, questions to ask is when you call to see if they're not, are they accepting new patients? What is the average wait time mm -hmm. when I need to schedule an appointment? So you need to get to the right doctor. Also, there are other things that you need to, and you can take into consideration now. Do you prefer a male doctor, a right. female doctor? Do you prefer um, uh, their age? certain care? Yeah, their age. Um, because you want someone that you can relate to and, and oh, yeah. talk to. And um, you want to feel comfortable. Because if you don't feel comfortable, you will not share things that you need to be sharing. You will not go to the doctor when you need to go to the doctor. And so that creates problems. Isn't that the whole point of hurt. having your PCP too? So it is because it's much different back. There was a time when I was growing up where your doctor was there for acute care mm -hmm. when you got sick. And now doctors are approaching things differently. They're, they're worried about and concerned about managing your overall health the whole all the picture. time, yeah. 24, seven, 365. 
And so you want to ask a lot of questions. Make sure that philosophically you're in you're in the right alignment, just mm-hmm. like you would if you would see a specialist for something, mm-hmm. an OBGYN, if you're seeing a heart doctor. You want to ask, how aggressive are you? Do you take more conservative treatment patterns? Yep. What is your approach? When you're not available, are you in a large practice or are you a mom and pop shop where if I'm if I'm out of the office, you're calling the medical society. Um, absolutely. As opposed to there are five other doctors in your practice to be seen. So there are a lot of things to take into This is such a huge thing to, to pick, which you really don't think of because you're like, oh, my, my girlfriend goes there. I'll just go there, too. But yeah. this is a huge this could set you on a path for just your health in general. Yeah. So um, lots of things to take into consideration. And I don't recommend your Facebook friends Aww. recommending oh, your man. That's great. That's great <laughs> if you're trying to buy earbuds on Amazon, but I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it for finding a doctor. So something that you've hinted on that we've always preached here is the the relationship between cost and quality. And it's kind of confusing. It's you're telling me that lower cost healthcare means better quality, which sounds like that's there's no way that can be true. Yeah, so I'm going to tell you the the secret of healthcare, which is contrary to everything you've ever learned in life. Okay. Cost and quality is not like anything else that you've run into out there. Mm-hmm. If you're going um, if you're going out to buy a big screen television set and you walk into a retailer and you look up on the wall and you start looking at the pricing. Yep. The where you go with that is the higher cost television sets the better quality. are the better quality. And that makes perfect sense. It's like when you're buying, going out and buying you know, cross training <laughs> shoes. Yeah, wine. You're going to a restaurant. It's the difference between eating at a four star restaurant and going through a drive through somewhere yeah. else. And um, healthcare is completely different. Mm-hmm. The data has told us throughout time that cost and quality are inversely proportional, that the higher quality doctors, facilities um, are the lower cost. And Why? Causing, because they have perfected their craft better, and so the person returns to health quicker. There are lower incidents of complications or in, Re, or infections right. or hospital readmissions. Um, it's lower physical therapy time to return to optimal health. And so the data has absolutely supported that over time. Mm-hmm. But the problem that we've run into, and, and that was one of the reasons that consumer-directed health plans were created, HDHPs, we, the, the, the health carrier saw that those were the trends and the data supported it. They did a horrible job of explaining (laughs) it. What they did was they just said, go on our website, check out our directory, Mm -hmm. go to one star doctors, go to, you know, go to this designation doctors. And they didn't explain it. And in all honesty, there's a certain level of mistrust Mm -hmm. with insurance carriers, because when you go there and you're less likely to take a carrier's referral because you figure, oh, they just want me to go to the lower cost There's, one. They, so wasn't it for them? Yeah, yeah, it's all about profit. And that's mm-hmm. not the case, but perception is reality. Yeah. And so I would encourage you to look at look at those designations and those stars and the accreditation 
and go to the highest quality. Yep. Um, chances are you're going to pay less out of pocket. And um, here's the other thing. When you need referrals mm-hmm. or you need to get a service done, don't just blindly take the referral from the doctor. Yep. And I know that there there may be situations where there's a reason. Mm-hmm. If you are a weekend warrior and you hurt your knee and you go in and they say, I want you to go here to get your MRI done. Yep. I would ask a couple questions. I would say, Why here? is there a reason that you want me to go here? Yep. Um, because there may be. It may be a special machine that has... Um, that is calibrated a certain way. It could be the injury that you have. It's a special machine that specializes in, you know, this particular type of service that's being done. Um, more than often not, though, it's because they want you... Uh, the They're connected. The, the provider is somehow affiliated with that third that that third-party facility. Yep. And what you're doing is you're keeping them into the healthcare system um, and the contracts are written in such a way where it's definitely advantageous to keep them in the system. Right. And so if you – and that that may be great, all well and good if you've met your deductible and you're really not worried about it. Mm-hmm. But um, when you have a high deductible plan, mm-hmm. you don't have many claims, and suddenly you need to get an MRI, it's the difference to you – to going to a facility where you're going to get the exact same test and results done and paying $700 out of pocket or paying $2,400 out of pocket. Yep. Um, Major difference. Ask the questions, especially with MRIs. Mm -hmm. And so let's say you have your doctor, you picked out your PCP, and now you're thinking about all of the benefits that you have with your new plan. How do you know you're getting everything out of it? What else do you need to understand? The perks or the EAP or what's available to you? Like, what else can you get out of your benefit program? Yeah, you really need to be disciplined with it because a lot of times when you're enrolling in benefits, you're enrolling in for the first time, you're doing medical, you're doing dental, you're doing vision. If yep. you're a new hire, you're doing 401k. There, It's like drinking. We say it's like drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. And it's overwhelming. And we always have the best of intentions saying we're going to get back to it, mm-hmm. and we never do. But there, I would say that it's ridiculous how much money you leave on the table and the opportunities and, and things that are available to you that you can take advantage of, yep. most of them for free that you just never get to or know about. Mm-hmm. And so I would start and make a list of the conditions you may have potential problems you may run into like in the history, future. Family health history, family history. If, if you're getting married and you're thinking about starting a family, mm-hmm. um, what type of a prenatal program do they offer? Uh, there are carriers that offer a whole bunch of free stuff even as you're going through the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. There are care coordination programs where um, if you have a chronic condition, They'll actually help you. They'll talk to all your different doctors and make sure that there are medications that don't conflict with each other, mm-hmm. that won't cause problems. Um, there are There's health coaching. There are EAP programs, which we mentioned in our first episode, yep. that can help you with um, a lot of mental behavioral health for not just you, but for other family members covered under the plan. There's so much that's available to you, I mm-hmm. guess is where I'm going 
going towards is don't ask, sleep on it. Ask the questions and don't just ignore it because um, you're paying you're paying a lot of money for your healthcare <laughs> program. Learn how to use it because I'm sure with many of you, when you get a new car, you go through that manual mm -hmm. and you learn it and you want to get the most out of it. You subscribe to a new streaming service. You're going to go in there and learn about all the new shows you have access to and stuff. Yep. Healthcare though, you get a folder, you put it in a drawer <laughs> until something happens. And you need it and you're like, I had this benefit. I didn't even realize. Yeah. And you're mm -hmm. just being reactive. We want you to start being proactive with your health care and you will be amazed at all the value adds that you have. It won't feel you won't feel as bad then every paycheck when you look down and see that that payroll deduction, you'll feel like you're getting value from it. Right. And so you're okay, so you're being a good healthcare consumer. You're following all the rules, you're researching everything. And we like to give a reminder to make sure you stay on top of your preventive exams. A lot of a lot of companies have these health and wellness programs that you have to get things done before a certain date. But if you, you want to be a healthy person, do the preventive exams and stay compliant. Right. Yeah. I, and I will tell you that we do a lot of, uh, we do a lot of health management programs here at McGowan Bray Bender with our clients. And one of the components we always really push heavily is make your preventive screenings, annual preventive recommended screenings mm -hmm. mandatory. Yep for lower premiums, for incentivize them to getting them done. Because we can tell you, the data tells us, if we can find something before it becomes a big problem, the prognosis, the outlook, and quite frankly, your out-of-pocket costs are significantly smaller. Oh, yeah. We have so many success stories about um, finding early stages of cancer, yep. about finding... Um, you know, pre-diabetes, about finding high blood pressure. And a lot of younger people, 26-year-olds, live by the mantra, I feel fine. <laughs> and so they don't get it. They don't go in for their screenings. They don't do the things they're supposed to mm -hmm. because they feel fine. And I will tell you that the problem with that approach is that when you don't feel fine, it's usually reached a point where... It's too late. It's too late. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have long-term issues long-term costs for you. So get your preventive screenings done annually. The great news is even if you're on a high deductible plan, mm -hmm. healthcare reform made the recommended preventive screenings covered at a hundred percent. So Yay. you should, yes, you should always <laughs> have those um, covered at a hundred percent. I think what's important though, is when you go in for your annual checkup, mm -hmm. your, your physical, um, biometrics, yep. um, mammograms, uh, cervical exams, just make sure you tell them that this is part of, I want to make sure that I want to make sure that you're coding this as preventive. Unless you do have something else you need to bring up and then be aware, too, that that won't you be You could preventive. be charged. So if you yes. do go in for and thinking it's a preventive exam, yep. but you start talking about the mole on your face or... <laughs> the twisted ankle. The twisted ankle <laughs> or other things, they're going to code that differently. Absolutely. And they do have a right to do that because mm -hmm. they're treating you for other things. So understand and don't be surprised when you receive it. The, yep. the second thing is, especially for... Um, and I'm speaking to the the women that are out there is like a mammogram is a perfect example. Yep. You go in annually and for your preventive screening. And then one year they find something mysterious yeah. and they end up doing a biopsy or 
something to that nature. And it ends up being benign or a non-issue. Right. Just understand that from that point on, you really need to have that conversation with them because they're going to start coding that. Chances are it's diagnostic. Yep. And so you will be subject to a deductible um, additional out-of-pocket cost. That being said, though, I say that just to give you a heads up. Mm -hmm. You should never, ever, ever avoid receiving treatment because you don't feel you can pay over communicate have be preventive it's yes. exactly that's be the best over, way be overzealous in your <laughs> health care yeah and it will reap benefits down the road it's like you get a new car the new car I talked about yeah. if you're faithful about changing the oil checking all your fluids doing the things you should preventive maintenance when that car gets older you're going to drive it a lot longer <laughs> you treat it well it'll treat you well back yeah exactly. so the last note here for our first time enrollees i wanted to we touched on a little bit about any major life changes so let's say you get married you have a baby mm -hmm. and you have to make sure you make these changes if if you if not you won't have until enrollment the next year correct yeah, you so what can happen if you don't tell your HR team about this the claim will be denied I mean that's that's the easiest way of putting it you're gonna have huge out-of-pocket costs right if you are not um, don't assume is the thing I want to tell the listeners is is things like you get married mm -hmm. you have a child maybe you adopt yep um, a, a major child. life event yeah you get divorced mm -hmm. things like that happen you need to notify um, your benefits people within a specified period of time and they'll tell you what that is and what their protocols are mm -hmm. and if you miss that opportunity then you're going to be on the hook for the bill and you're not going to be able to take care of that until your company's annual enrollment the next year Correct. so just don't put yourself in that situation and even put it on HR's radar, benefits radar, yeah. immediately, um, as soon as you know something's coming up, to make sure that they're in front of it, they can get you the paperwork. Um, the day you get back from your honeymoon, yeah. you've submitted your paperwork, <laughs> yep. the, you know, uh, things like that. And that's something that I really dislike doing is doing the math and understanding the math. Because let's say your spouse has coverage at their job and they, you have a better deal under them. and But you have to figure that out. You have to do the numbers yourself and make sure you're getting the best deal. Yeah, and chances are um, don't a lot of people are on their spouse's plan. Historically, I'm going back to your parents, yep. which, again, are very influential in the Zoomers' lives. Mm -hmm. They stayed, even if both adults were working, they would stay under the one plan mm -hmm. because there was the convenience of one card in your wallet, yep. one prescription card. That's not necessarily the case now because of the way the companies are handling things. They incentivize it to cover the majority of the, the premium for their employees, mm -hmm. but the other covered dependents pay significantly more out of pocket or can. Correct. Or they may require you to take. If you're married, you your spouse may have to take their company's plan. Mm -hmm. They can be, or they can be on your plan, but they're going to pay a surcharge. So understand and ask questions when you run into those situations about which plan is best. And one of the things we do at McGowan Braybenders, we can help the employee look at those plans mm -hmm. and say, oh my gosh, you're on, you're on this employer's plan, but you're better off being on this plan because you wouldn't be paying anything out of pocket. Totally. But then understand that there are also rules 
like if your spouse is on an HSA plan, you're on a PPO plan, mm-hmm. there's there are rules that are applicable about what you can and can't use funds for out of the spending account mm-hmm. and what they're accessible for. So ask questions. That's why we're here at McGowan Bray Bender. We don't expect you to be a healthcare expert. What we do expect you to do is be a smart consumer and, mm-hmm. and be curious and ask questions. I think those are the perfect final words to, to wrap up our second episode in this adulting series. So to our first time enrollees that are listening, we hope um, this was helpful. And we're going to also have a PDF checklist that you can download, you can save, print, memorize as much as you need to refer back to. So thank you for joining me, Dave. And if you have any questions on this topic, you can email me at Kenzie at healthierbirthdays.com. Or Dave at healthierbirthdays.com. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you next time on Side Effects.